Hello, hello, fearless listeners. Are you ready for another episode of Let Fear Bounce? It's the podcast that's all about conquering challenges and facing our fears. I'm your host, Kim Langling, and each week we'll dive into inspiring stories, expert insights, and practical tips to help you turn your fear into your greatest ally. So sit back, relax, grab that cup of coffee, and let's discover how to make fear our bouncing board towards a life filled with endless possibilities right here on Let Fear Bounce. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Let Fear Bounce. This is Kim Langling, your host, and I am so glad that you are deciding to spend a little bit of your time today with myself and my guest today, Mo Mashadi. Now, she is... (laughs) (laughs) Welcome! (laughs) Now, Mo is a genre screenwriter, author, and lecturer. Her background as a trauma specialist and behavioral therapist has provided a sturdy foundation for what she writes in a concentration on psychological and possession horror. Do, 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 do. Yes. <laughs> scary stuff. She writes the scary stuff. She's also a journalist and co-founder with Nick's Horror Collective and co-producer of the 13 Minutes of Horror Film Festival featured on the Shutter channel. And as a core member of Nix, she has recently partnered with Stowe Story Labs to provide a fellowship for women writers over 40 working in the genre. And there's a whole lot more in your bio. You're an incredibly busy lady. Uh, (laughs) All kinds of stuff going on in your world. Yes. So welcome to Let Fear Bounce. Thanks. It's nice to have you. And I, I always, I'm fascinated by those who write or work in the horror genre because Mm. my brain does not go that way (laughs) it just it doesn't it it steers clear of it so I'm I'm just fascinated by uh the folks that do write that so what what spurred you to get into that genre to begin with um probably from every horror writer you've talked to we've watched it or read it way too early we've seen terrible things that our young eyes shouldn't have and I, I I'm no different I was a latchkey kid um in the in the early 80s so um my oldest sister is 10 years older than me I was reading everything that she was reading um which was early Stephen King you know Ray Bradbury which I still absolutely adore Ray Bradbury he is his work ethic is something I aspire to but yeah, it's reading the things that she was, you know, getting into. I was reading like a Carrie and um, his short story collections and then like watching horror movies. When I grew up, you came home from school. There was no prime time yet. You know, that didn't really start to like the middle of the 80s or late 90s when we were having like the Thursday NBC blocks and we were having things later. But you could come home from school and watch like American Werewolf in London. It's what was on HBO. Um, when you came home, if you had cable. So I got really exposed to horror really early. And what I discovered about the genre, at least for me, was that I really liked being scared. I really liked it. And I, you know, as a kid who has to not necessarily fend for themselves, uh, my mom went to school at night and worked a full-time job, but, you know, you spend a lot of your time in your own imagination. And I really liked continuing on and being like the hero of my own little horror story and then I started writing what I guess is now considered fan fiction when I was really young so I didn't want the horror story to end I wanted the characters to go on and do something else so I would write stories 
that they were, you know, going on, you know, a new adventure or something scary that was happening to them. And that's really how I got into the genre as a writer, as a lover of it, just being scared. (laughs) I think that's it. And I think it's funny because a lot of people are just like, oh, I could never write horror. Like you said, my brain doesn't go there, but I always say everyone is, everyone can write horror. There's a way you can, because if you were anything like me, who is anxious all the time, (laughs) can imagine worst case scenario. You just have to imagine worst case scenario for a character. And there is your horror story. Like you have created it. And that's kind of what we do as authors is we put our characters through the worst case scenarios and and see how well they survive, if if any. So, (laughs) I mean- And see how they survive. (laughs) Simple as that, pretty much. So I like how you said, uh, now now I grew up the same way. Mm -hmm. You know, my mom was working a couple different jobs and- uh, we came home after school or after whatever sports activity that we were involved in at the time and pretty much took care of ourselves. And I'm an avid reader, always have been. And mm-hmm. in that time frame, I read all the Stephen King stuff. I yep. waited, waited for the next one to come out because I too, at that time, enjoyed being scared crapless. Yeah. You yeah. know, and watching the movies and, you know, having you know your sister, you'd be at a friend's house and you'd be watching the movies. And we, there was this place where I grew up that they had all these little rooms. It was like an old house, but they had all these little rooms with a big television set in each one. And you paid to rent that room to watch horror movies. What? That is and the greatest idea ever. It was, it was and it, I think it only lasted a couple years, but we oh, no. do it. So we'd get like four of us friends yeah. and whoever had the car pull all of our <laughs> dollars together to pay for it. And just be scared and, and they're screaming our little heads off because you know Stephen King and um Pet Cemetery and Carrie and yep all the you know what was the one the, the one Chucky oh Chucky <laughs> I mean I and like I loved it. those I loved reading those books I loved watching those movies and here's the mm-hmm. here's the thing there was a shift and I no longer could watch them oh wow couldn't watch them can't read them and I, I, I just cannot, and, um, might be because I went through my own trauma mm-hmm. and ever since then can't do it. Yep. I, I mean, mean that complete switch. so that's why when I said my brain can't go there anymore, it mm-hmm. literally cannot, I, I cannot watch it. I can't even make myself watch it. That's or, it's so interesting it. because it's as, um, my training is for behavioral sciences and cognitive behavioral therapy. So emotional reactivity to things um, and people and situations and, and learning how to kind of navigate through the trauma. I never really say anything is recovered where it's all maintenance. Where it's, I agree. Yeah, <laughs> definitely maintenance. As one who lives with PTSD, yeah. I agree. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> That's actually what, what really sent me to get my behavioral science degree was my own personal trauma. I'm an assault survivor. Um, and I work with women who have been assault survivors or in other particular traumas. And everybody kind of has a different way where things either um, kind of switch off or or things will swing the other end of the pendulum where whatever scares you or whatever you're trying to get through, you almost embrace. Right. Um, you know, and we have a lot of, even just like horror fans, seen a lot of horror fans be like, this movie scares me to death. Here's my tattoo of, you know, the movie that, that scared me or the movie that reminds me of this terrible trauma 
is on me now, or I've written a book about it, or, um, and I think it's just very interesting that horror has that type of effect on people, whether it's either end of the pendulum swing, or it's just like, no, it's just not my thing anymore. It's just difficult for me to put myself in that anxious situation. But for others where it's, it's really cathartic for them, which is what my lecturing is, is on is trauma in horror cinema. So women's trauma, especially, um, but kind of branching out and not trying to be as gendered, but because we all are humans and we all have a lot of the same emotions, but understanding how that type of genre really teaches you how to behave. I think um, being scared teaches us how to, you know, react to particular parameters. I mean, we all, check the back seat when we get into a dark car like we we didn't learn that watching a drama <laughs> you know you know we we run to our our bathroom from our bedroom and back to our bedroom in the dark you know this is our house nothing's in here that wasn't there in the light um but I think what's so beautiful about the genre and incidentally what you had said is just knowing that this is where I need to put the brakes on in this particular it just doesn't make me comfortable anymore. It's not comforting. And for some, it can be incredibly comforting. I think that's such a wonderful mark of how expansive it can be to some folks. It's just really, really cool that it can be so many things, so many different people. Yeah. And, you know, and I never looked at it that way or thought of it that way that it can actually be cathartic for some people to actually experience that anxiety and fear. I for me, I'm the other end. I just, I yeah. can't, if something's going to, if I know something is, I will not purposely put myself in a situation yep. where Probably I will be part. overly anxious, you know, wow. and upset and edgy. That's how I always put it. Edgy, you know? Um, so that's interesting. Very interesting stuff there. Yeah. I think that what's really fun about that and not, you know, fun, like good times, but I think what's what's interesting about it is that, you know, you do have so many people on either end of the spectrum. Um, do you read it anymore or do you no, just not watch it? I steer it? completely away from turkey. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's what I, I find it. Cause I loved it. I did up yeah. to the age of probably 18. I mean, I, we, we had so much fun getting the crap scared out of us. Yeah. And even reading the books, you know, I would sit there and as soon as you'd shut a, C- a Stephen King book at nighttime and turn off the light and you're laying in your bed and you're like, you just know, you yeah. just knew that all the characters from that book were now under your bed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> your sheets are covering your feet. Oh like, yeah. Nothing can stick out. <laughs> what's very interesting is that's one of Stephen King's biggest fears is his feet being outside of the covers. I, you know, his, his, his brain is an amazing thing mm-hmm. for all those books that he wrote. Yeah. So I'm like, that's gotta, I think it'd be a, his brain, I think would be a frightening place to visit. Yeah. And I think what makes his, his, for me, it would be. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think for any of us, we're just like, Steven, are you okay? Um, I, you know, I, I think for any author, any yeah. author, there's a little bit of crazy in there. Oh yeah. We kind of have to. You know, in order to have, in order to have that creativity, something happened in your life. Yes. You in general to bring forth the creativity and for it to blossom. 
Yes. You know, I, I write a lot of nonfiction, but Which I have a really tough, <laughs> I have a huge, vivid, very vivid imagination mm-hmm. and I'm working on a fiction story, but I'm able to bring in a lot of emotion. Yeah. And, um, that just, that, that came naturally to me. And I've spoken to a lot of people that say, I, I can't write that. T-. You know, I have, I struggle mm. to write something that's going to make somebody cry or laugh out loud. Yeah. And for me, I just, I just write from the heart is how I always put it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you, you, there's something, something happened and maybe, maybe some authors aren't even aware of it. Yeah. But something happened to spark or trigger or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm that, uh, that little creativity. And it's like, you know, I'm going to start writing about that stuff. (laughs) Yeah. I think for me, I mean, even as a kid, and I think even, you know, coming from uh, a childhood that was very difficult. I mean, my parents got divorced very, very young um, when I was very young. So it was, you know, kind of learning to, you know, kind of balance and, and, and kind of mind ourselves and occupy ourselves and things like that too. It wasn't necessarily a huge upheaval, but it was a, a new learning experience. And I think I kind of dove into, you know, being such a voracious reader as an escape. And I think that, you know, that definitely helped me. Like, I feel like I'm on the other end where I'm just like horror really. Helped. Um, but I have talked to a lot of folks where there was just like this situation or the, or what this film or what these films or books make me feel is very similar to what I felt when I was in X situation. And that's never fun. That's a confrontational, you know, feeling. And it's hard to get over that hump and some folks never do. And that's fine. That's still part of the healing process is to know your limits and your boundaries and having a strong boundary is a okay, especially (laughs) in dealing with that. Um, But I think what's so interesting about somebody like with like Stephen King, um, because I've gotten the question, well, you don't look like you're right horror. You don't look like a horror writer. And I, and I'm just always wondering what people expect out of that. Like, yeah. What does a horror writer look like? I don't know. Gothy, you know, (laughs) always black, like, and I'm incidentally wearing black today, folks, but I mean, not, but I think like even him, like he's very unassuming, you know, a little bit nerdy, like not the type of guy that you would be like, oh, this guy's writing things about, you know, reanimated zombie cats and young. Right. And like, it's, it's, it's wild to, to kind of think how, how horror kind of gets othered a little bit and a little bit like labeled as to not a, a standout genre. And I think we're, I think it'll always sort of be that way where it's not the Academy Award winning genre. Like, I don't yeah, think but there, there are, I have found over the last few years doing this podcast, there are quite a few female horror writers. There's a bunch of us. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and I never, cool. I never, since it's not something I gravitate towards, mm-hmm. I was, I was surprised a bit just because I didn't know. Right. Um, just, you know, there's so many and I'm like, well, this is fascinating. I find it fascinating yeah. actually, I, because I, I applaud anyone who takes the time to write books, no matter what mm-hmm. genre. Yeah. Because it's not an easy journey. It takes a lot out of you emotionally, mentally, mm-hmm. physically, financially, everything, you know, and it's not, you know, people say, oh, you wrote it, wrote a book, you know, when's your next one coming? It's like, do you have any oh, idea? Gosh. Do you have Can any have idea minute? what it took? <laughs> to 
<laughs> you have any idea? You know? And that's what's funny too, because publishing is actually quite glacial. So it takes a while to, to not only create the art, but also kind of get things moving marketing wise, editing wise, cover, you know. Right. If you do it right. Out there. If yeah. you do it right. Yes. Yeah. It, it takes should be things, like, you know, at least a year. Yeah. I mean, at least a year. And you'll see folks kind of have a rapid fire for a while. Like, didn't you just have a book out? Now you have another book coming out. But it's also like, yeah, well, I also submitted both of those books at the same time. And now we're finally seeing the fruits of the labor from it. Um, and so it's like, I, that's so sad. Like, can you just enjoy the book I made right now? Right. <laughs> Why yes. are you asking me for another one? Right. <laughs> but that's a good thing too. Yeah. They yeah. want to know what's coming next. Yeah. That's kind of cool. That's kind of cool. They need another fix. Yeah. Always. Yeah. For those, Always. for those who need that fix. Yeah. <laughs> yes. uh, I just find it fascinating. Yeah. Because it's just not, it's not a realm that I'm in. And, mm -hmm. but, I, and, but I also like learning about it too. Um, yeah. I, I never want to sit there and say, uh, I don't like it or anything right. like that. Um, some of the stuff I might not care for. It's just not my thing, but I'm not sure. going to say, oh, I don't like it. Or I hate that because I know what it takes to get a book out. Yeah. You no know, kidding. and so that's why I appreciate, I appreciate all authors, you know? Yeah. And what's Whether interesting about having, um, cause it's, that question's posed to a lot of us who are, uh, women horror authors, it's almost kind of underground seen as like a, a boys club or, you know, women shouldn't think that way or women yeah. shouldn't have those horrific ideas. But what's interesting about it is that there's so much of women's pain and women's trauma that is mined for horror cinema. So why wouldn't we? <laughs> and, you know, and I'm always thinking, like you said earlier at the beginning, mm -hmm. anybody can write a horror story. Uh-huh. You, you just take your worst case scenario, mm -hmm. turn it into a character and see if it survives. Yep. As you were saying that and sharing that, I, I just loved how you explained it because it was so, just so simple, mm -hmm. you know, made me go, duh, of course. Yes. <laughs> there is not a person on this planet that cannot tell me that they have never had a dark, dark thought. Right. hundred percent. A single person. I mean you could be. I don't know. I can't even think of a good example, but everybody has dark thoughts. Everybody. Yep. Or you've been through a dark experience and then that twists things just a smidge. Mm -hmm. It just does. I've had dark thoughts. I honestly think I could write a really scary book. Mm -hmm. I think I could. If it would be any good or not, I don't know, but I'm pretty darn sure that I have enough stuff in my brain <laughs> right? that I could pull out and put I it mean into a book. Yeah. Um, I mean, we all do. I think that you're right on the money with that. Like we all have, I think people are afraid to let it out or to admit it though. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And that's kind of what my, my book is about is my book, love the center. It's called I uh, love the center eight disquieting stories bound in sin. Um, so it's based on each story is based on one of the seven deadly sins. And then I always say with one bonus sin, which is basically a cardinal sin for, or a mortal sin for uh, folks at home. But the devil doesn't feature anywhere in any of the stories. It's just people justifying horrific acts to get what they want. And I think that we're all kind of capable of doing that. I mean, anyone that's watched a true crime documentary <laughs> will tell well, anybody you, watches, people, I mean, all the stuff yeah. that's on, there's so much on TV, CSI, NCIS, 
Yeah. All, all those kind of shows, mm -hmm. which I, I actually enjoy watching some of those, but some of them turned so dark as the seasons went on, I had to quit watching them. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's all in here. It's all in the mind. It's all in the heart. And it's always, you know, we can justify doing what, you know, crimes of passion, uh, you know, obviously that's lust, you know, envy, you have something that I want. So I'm going to do X, Y, and Z to you to get it done. Or protecting, pride. protecting, yeah, or protect, you protect myself, pride. You made me look bad. So now I'm going to do like, it's, right. it's all there within us to do. And that's what I really love about that collection it's a short story collection but what i love about that is really featuring how man is the scariest monster oh no i absolutely agree <laughs> no it is that's why you know mm -hmm. man 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 is the monster that you know they can blame it on what they want but yep we have free will and we make our own choices and if yes, you choose to be evil and choose to do evil that's on you you know we'll um, justify it whatever way possible we'll be like well i had my reasons you know, it's like okay yeah your reason I, yeah all i hear is blah 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 right? <laughs> the charlie brown teacher right that's right i always wondered what she looked like <laughs> it's just her from like what the neck down <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i guess always they were wanted like, to know always not wanted to know not important i guess Oh, it's because they, yeah, they, I like how they put those little things in, in a lot of shows and cartoons and things like that, that they just don't show you. Yeah. They, they just, they just give you that. Give you a little taste. Yeah. And you have to think about it and try and figure it out. There was the other show. There was the other show about, uh, it was, uh, I think, oh, what was his name? Can't remember, but his neighbor, his neighbor was always. Oh, 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 home, oh, almost at Home Depot. Home Improvement. <laughs> Yeah, with his neighbor always you could only ever see his eyes above the yeah. yeah. I can't remember the neighbor's name though. It's not Will. It's I don't know. It's something. But Will Wilson? No, it's not that either. I don't know. Maybe But Wilson sounds good. I think it is Wilson. Wilson sounds, maybe I think it is Wilson. Anyway. Anyway. Created a whole persona. Didn't even need to be seen. No, I know. I think it's fun amazing yeah all those little things that they those little things that they can put in and people what do they call those now uh they call them easter eggs like mm -hmm. when, they, when you put stuff out and like even on cars they do that mm -hmm. my jeep i, when I bought a, a jeep it was literally right at the beginning of the pandemic right before the pandemic hit and the guy the salesman says now let me know if you can find the easter eggs and i said i have no idea what you are talking about sir. <laughs> he goes look for the easter eggs and they're little pictures of the jeep driving over different things throughout, throughout the jeep and i'm like i go show me the first one and so he showed me the first one it's the bottom it's at the bottom right hand corner of my windshield never would have seen it or ever noticed it unless he pointed it out. So he goes, I'll right. let you find the rest. I go, do you know how many are in this, on this particular one? And he says, yeah, he goes, I'll, I'll let you find the rest. I've found three so far. Oh, how many are there supposed to be? I don't know. He wouldn't tell me. Aww. <laughs> well, then, How do you know if you found them all? So I think that's interesting. Well, that's part of what makes it fun, you know? So, hey, there's a question then that just is bringing me around says yeah. how my brain just kind of goes down different little paths, um, little Easter eggs or little things like that, that you hint at something, but never quite mm -hmm. give all of the information. Yeah. Do you do, put any of that in your books? 
Absolutely. <laughs> You're one of those evil people. <laughs> I am. Well, I well, I like to, and especially any any horror writer, even in the sci-fi writer for that matter, because it's all fantasy and you know, at the end the end of, at the end of the day. But I think what's important is the foreshadowing that makes you think about when you hit the ending, is that oh, I should have seen that. I didn't know that that meant so much, or I didn't know what that meant at the time, um, which I find incredibly interesting. Um, if you, if, you know, whoever, if those of you that are listening, probably one of the best ones I've seen do that. And I'll probably, someone will probably chime in and say something else, but has been Saw, the first Saw movie. Where I, I did not just, see it. <laughs> it definitely takes a strong stomach, that movie, um, Cast Iron. But it's when she, once they start revealing the ending or or why these two men, you know, it begins with two men who were chained to um, pipes in this dilapidated bathroom. And as you, as they kind of backtrack, and it almost like opens up this Pandora's box, like, oh yes, that was in the beginning. And oh, they were doing this and they were doing this and they were here the whole time. And that's so fun to, to put something over on your audience and really get them in the end and be like, oh, like right. you had said that, or, or you knew they weren't going to go in there, but you didn't say why, oh, it's because this, or they already knew that this was, and that's, that is fun. And it's the one, the one, the one example I have of that, that, and I think anyone who ever watched the movie felt the same way was the sixth sense. Oh my gosh. Yes. And you're like, Oh my God, he was dead the whole time. Yeah. And you go back and you're like, that's why the mom never talked to him. That's, you know, and there's, you know, all these men watching it going, wow, his wife, she's just like mine. She never says a word to me. You know, you're going have you checked if you are dead sir (laughs) that was so that was uh that That was was, an amazing movie yeah that one really was that was great i mean and he did the same type of steps with um the village was really opening that up and i think that that's what's really fun about creating within genre because i mean even in in comedy because i also write um, for I, I come from the screenwriting world, so I have written comedy and, and horror, which are very similar <laughs> processes because you need a reaction out of your audience. You got to kind of reverse engineer it. What do I want out of my audience? Do I want them to cry, laugh? Do I want them to relate? Do I want them to just have a hearty escape? That's your comedy. Do I want them to be afraid? Do I want them to yeah. ne- wait to the next sequel? Do I want them to be invested in this horror character? it's all really trying to get a reaction out of your audience. And I think Easter eggs and foreshadowing are so effective for that because you have to, especially with, with horror. And I've watched a few horror movies recently that will remain nameless because I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings that I just was so bored with. (laughs) And I was like, I, why am I picking up and checking my phone? Like, why am I carrying on a conversation here on the couch? Like, if you if you don't give your audience enough to stay invested that really hurts your story and books books as well mm-hmm. not just cinema but if you're just trying to tell the story you want to tell without using devices to engage your audience right. well heck, even a 60 second commercial yeah oh <laughs> <laughs> you know 
There's a lot of those. Just, what did yeah. they just say? What are they selling? I don't know. It was it didn't yeah, have some of those. Some of those, though, you watch those commercials and you're like, I literally have no idea what they're selling me. Yeah. Trying to sell me. And I'm thinking, is that obviously they did it on purpose, but is it brilliant or not? I haven't quite figured it out yet. Nope, it's not. <laughs> it's all that for you. It's not brilliant. It's not brilliant at all. Um, but I feel like that's you. You need those type of things to kind of carry your 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 reader or your viewer along because you get used to just being like, this is a story I want to tell. No holds barred. I don't want any notes on it. I just want to tell this story. And then you miss those little pieces where people want to hear it or want to play along with you. Um, so I think Easter eggs are so fun for that. Cause then you're like, well, what else did I miss? <laughs> right. right. See that. Give you, and you could use that in many ways, not just writing. Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So absolutely. yeah. It gives us all something to chew on and think about. Yes, it does. How we can work that in. How we can yes. work that in different things. How fun. See? What a fun little exercise that. I know. Be. Look at it. You came here to learn, kids. Today's today's episode is sponsored by the letter H for right. horror. <laughs> for horror. <laughs> oh, I love it. It's Sesame Street. <laughs> now see, now I'm going down a different path. Sesame Street. And who is the, the count? Yeah. Incidentally, I just did that at my day job today. So <laughs> it's the second time I've done it today. Wild. As See, an adult. Isn't that interesting how that all comes together? As an adult. All the I, things that, yes, all the things that we've learned from, yeah. you know, Sesame Street days. And we're still talking uh, about them all uh, these years later. Funny. Classic. Funny. It's classic stuff. So what is next for you, Mo? What is coming up next? Ooh, um, I have uh, two books coming out. It's a two volume uh, book set next year with Spooky House Press. And that one is also uh, two story collections there. It's called Claire Violence, uh, Tales of Tarot and Torment. So each story is based on um, a card from the major arcana in the tarot deck. So oh. really interesting Um that's a fun one. This was very, um, this book, Love the Center, was very dedicated to really sticking with the devices of the um, sins. But this next work is is really fun. I really got to expand, expand into, you know, sci-fi horror and, and grief horror and ghost stories and lots of really fun things um, to do with this one. So I'm really, really excited about that. Um, as my other hat is a member of Nick's Horror Collective, which we talked about at the top of the hour. We've, um, we're in our third year with Stowe Story Labs. We provide a fellowship for women over 40 who are um, writing in the genre, which we know women as an accessibility standpoint is very low for us in the industry. And if you're over 40, also incredibly much lower accessibility in the industry for opportunity. So um, we saw that disparity and we really wanted to fill that gap. And we're in our third year and we're really, really proud of that. And I'm still going to be continuing uh, lecturing on trauma and horror cinema internationally into the new year. And I will be um, heading to London very soon. So I'll be there for quite a while. What are you mm -hmm. going to do there? Yeah, I'm going to be writing. So taking a little sabbatical writing and um, just kind of get my creative juices flowing. London's my second home. So 
I just love what that city brings to me, especially on an eerie aspect. It's very ghost story laden out in the countryside. So well, there's so much history there. Oh, absolutely. And I've, I've loved it ever since I was a child and I didn't go until I was in my thirties and I've never looked back. I'm always there when I can during the pandemic, it killed me because I usually was there like two or three times a year. And then I didn't get to go from for about five years. So I kind of do you you have a place that you regularly rent or is it a different place? Oh, I have friends out there now. And, you know, I, I hang with them and I, I couch surf and I'm just going to spend a little time out there getting more of my creative piece and, and building out more of my, my cinema piece and connecting with universities um, to bring a lot of my lecturing to, to that side of the, uh, the world. So to that side of the big pond, how awesome. That's exciting. That's exciting. Well, enjoy that and soak it all up as I'm sure you will. I will. (laughs) That's awesome. Uh, Well, thank you so much for being my guest. This has been fun. Uh, And the time goes so fast. It does. (laughs) And I, I, you, you tossed out some good nuggets for me. So I appreciate that. You you gave me a few things to think about and look at horror in just a little bit different way. So I appreciate that. So thank you for that. Oh, of course. Now I ask all of my guests before we wrap up, if they would toss out a nugget of hope for the listeners, something that they can tuck away and carry with them for the rest of the day. So what would your nugget of hope be? Oh, I love this. Um, I think this is such a positive thing too, because we have so much bad news and we don't get to the good news and hope stuff is fantastic. So I always say, um, just kind of talking about where I'm in this kind of whirlwind of my my life, you know, I'm in getting into like middle age and, you know, reassessing things and feeling like you should be at a certain place at a certain age is such a trap. And a lot of us are finding our second careers. A lot of us are getting um, bored with what we thought we were going to do for our entire life. May that be relationships or work or whatever trajectory you thought your life was going to take on a spiritual level. Um, One thing I always try to let myself or remember or let myself live within is that there is always another day for another chance. So you can screw up as much and you can do all the bad things to yourself. You can eat terribly. You can drink too much. You can stay up too late. There's always another day for another opportunity to care for yourself health-wise, emotionally, mentally, And as long as you are always staying sound with the fact that it's okay to consistently make mistakes, it's very brave to say, I don't know. And it's no is a complete sentence. So make sure that you keep your boundaries with others and that'll help you keep your emotional and mental state where it needs to be for you to take better care of yourself because you are the most important person in your universe. Mic drop. Couldn't agree more, dear heart. <laughs> Couldn't agree more. I, as, as, as one who has reached a certain season in life myself, mm-hmm. yep. um, I came to a realization about four or five years ago. Yep. Boundaries are going up. Yep. Not doing that anymore. Uh, brings me no joy. Don't know why I was doing it for so long. Yep. I, I made a lot of changes and my tribe shrunk. You know, I had to call, call some things. <laughs> Yeah. And it's Um, interesting. Once you start choosing yourself, how, how your tribe kind of takes care of itself. It does. It really does. Yeah. You don't even have to ask. It just kind of fades away and that's okay. Mm -hmm. That's okay. And I have found that since I've done that, I'm much more easy on myself. 
mm-hmm. much easier on myself and I sleep just a little bit better. Yep. And you're surrounded by the people who are okay with you choosing yourself first. Yes. It's amazing. Yep. So don't good. wait until you're, you know, until you're in your fifties to do that folks. Yep. yep. <laughs> you know, and it's it not agree like- more. <laughs> So many people I've talked to, it's, it's, they hit this certain age and that's when they do it. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking, but why, why do we wait? You know, because we're trying to be nice. We're trying to be likable and trying to to go with the flow. Don't rock the boat, do this, do that. You you have all these names and boxes that you're these type mom, coworker, colleague, Mm -hmm. wife, lots of hats. All these hats are supposed to wear and everybody expects, expects, expects. And so we're, it's like, you're, you're getting brainwashed by all of it Yeah. until one day you're like, maybe you're not a wife anymore. Maybe you're just, you're divorced. Mm -hmm. Your kids are grown and on your own. So you don't have to be mommy 24 seven anymore. And all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, I have no idea what I even like to do anymore. Yep. And now you got to reassess. I mean, we're raised as caregivers, women, and predominantly those who make these choices late in life are predominantly women, women identifying people because we're raised as caregivers, but not for ourselves, for other people. Right. And we always, we forget the most important one. You can't help anybody else if you're not healthy. Yes. (laughs) I would say probably my second nugget of hope would be, please put on your mask before helping others. (laughs) Like they say in the airplanes, please put on your own oxygen mask. Yes. We're helping others. That's a very good mental. Yes. That's a very good visual for people, yes. especially women, honestly. Yes. Please yeah. put on your own mask. See, look at all the topics we covered today. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> therapy session in there for everybody. There you go. Great. I hope you enjoyed. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you once again for being my guest today. This has been awesome. I appreciate you. Yeah, I had a great time. And everybody out there listening, I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did and spent spending time with myself and Mo. So tune in each Wednesday, folks. That's when new episodes upload. This is Kim Langley, your host of Let Fear Bounce. Everybody be well, stay well, and be blessed. And that is a wrap, my fearless friends. Thanks for bouncing along with me on another episode of Let Fear Bounce. I hope you're feeling a bit motivated and ready to take on any challenge that might come your way in the coming days. Be sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode of Let Fear Bounce. Tune in each week for your dose of inspiration from my amazing guests from all over the world. So until next time, keep bouncing forward and stay fearless, my friends. Everybody be well, stay well, and above all, be blessed. Thank you.